Welcome to Geared for Growth. This week we're chatting with Darren Hunter of DarrenHunter.com. Darren's a property management trainer, speaker and consultant both in Australia and internationally. He basically teaches property managers how to go out there and excel and kick bottom. So we delve into the property management industry, get a bit of an insight into how he got to where he is and we have some really good gems on how to work with property managers and how to find a good agency that's going to provide a premium service. If you can bear with a couple of audio issues that we have with Darren, I think you'll find it's a great interview. All right, Darren Hunter, thanks for joining us on Geared for Growth. Thank you. So just to, to kick things off, Darren, can you tell us who you are and, and what you specialize in? Sure. So I'm a, a national and international property management trainer. So for the investors that are listening today, when you buy a rental property and you hand it over to a real estate agent who is going to manage that property, my job is to train those people. Um, and uh, I, I do a number of different areas, it really on uh, an area of growth and an area of nuts and bolts and nuts and bolts. I teach them conflict management, communication skills, uh, time management's a big one for me, uh, you know, doing repairs, dealing with tradespeople, all those sort of things. And in the growth area, I, uh, I, I'm very much an income maximizer, helping them to, to make more profit with what they do uh, and also helping them to grow. Awesome, and I'm looking forward to digging into that a, a, a lot deeper during the course of the interview. What um, what posters were on the bedroom wall as a youngster, Darren, if we can get some cheeky insights into you? Goodness me. Uh, posters on the wall, uh, I don't think there was too many posters on my wall, but there was certainly music in my stereo. Okay. There's a stereo player. And, uh, oh, goodness me, I suppose, you know, music growing up, which... Other people, it's posters on the wall. You know, for me, it was Queen and and things like that. Um, you know, eighties, uh, very much an eighties child. So, eighties um, music was really, really big for me. I grew up in Wyala of, of South Australia, which is still mining, uh, working class community. Uh, yep. And I came to Adelaide um, when I was seventeen years of age. Awesome, good, uh, good taste there. Can we um, can we kick off with how you got started in 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 real estate and uh, and property in general? So I fell into it. Basically, I, uh, I'm, a, I'm a university dropout. I, uh, when I did year 12, um, I got into my third preference. Now, my first preference was town planning. I didn't get into that. I didn't have enough points. My second preference was uh, English teacher. Uh, I didn't get in. Uh, sorry, it was an art teacher. I apologize. I didn't get into that because I, I loved art. Right. Uh, and my third preference I fell into as an English teacher um, with some um, uh, also studying skills of art. And I ended up at the University of South Australia, which was at the Salisbury campus. Now that has been converted into the Tyndale Christian School. And uh, I was there for nine months. After nine months, I decided I did not want to rely on my parents any longer for financial support. I wanted my independence. I wanted my own job, my own money, and I wanted to completely disconnect from my parents uh, in that regard. And so um, I pulled out of university, much to their horror, um, <laughs> and started then working jobs. Um, I remember... Uh, working for the Royal Guide Dogs Association, selling tea towels and trinkets over the phone. Uh, I work for a company that sells fertilizer door-to-door, -door, as in uh, over the phone selling those. I also remember working at a, a petrol station, um, you know, pumping petrol, changing tires, fixing tires, all those sorts of things. And then uh, I... 
I, I happen to come across uh, a, a man that owns several real estate offices. He saw potential in me. Um, and then he decided to employ me um, and drop me into the amazing but very scary world of property management. Wow. Now, you've uh, you certainly zigzagged along the way to, to getting there. It seems funny to, to think given sort of who you are and, and the sort of clientele that you have at the moment. But what can you tell us about the industry back then compared to today? The industry back then, uh, obviously, we've we've evolved with technology. Um, so technology is a big one. You know, back then it was uh, you handwrite a letter, you give it to the secretary, she types up a letter, you then sign it, it gets posted and you get phone calls of people calling in and someone's there to answer your calls for you. So that was that. But the thing is, uh, with property management, I'd say that um, awareness of tenants to their rights um, was a lot less back then. Yeah. Um, with media, with the internet, people are a lot more savvy on their rights, but also, like anywhere, higher expectations. Particularly, they've accelerated during the GFC. Um, people's expectations, tenants and owners, um, are a lot higher than what they were um, and uh, a lot more demanding as well. So they're probably the three key areas, aside from legislation that's evolved as well and got yep. tighter. Uh, stronger uh, consumer protection as well towards tenants. All of those sort of things um, have evolved over, you know, the since 1989 when I first started. So property management obviously lured you in, and you and you stuck with it. What what was it that sort of stood out to you? What did you enjoy about it when you when you kicked off your career there? Well, I'm going to make it make it clear from the start. I hated property management. <laughs> okay. I. I couldn't stand it. I found it really difficult. And because I had a low self-esteem and low confidence. Right. And I'm not going to go into the issues of why there. Um, in a lot of ways, it was stemming from my childhood. But uh, I, I found property management a nightmare. It's full of conflict. And, uh, and, and then it was really my first two years I found it really, really difficult. And I'm going to be honest with you, I was retrenched in uh, through from the recession that Paul Keating said that we had to have. Yeah. I was actually retrenched and I had a, a real sense of relief. And I knew that I, I, I'm not a quitter. And so no matter what uh, difficulty and blockage came up against me that really scared me, I pushed through and I wasn't going to quit. But when I got retrenched, it gave me a sense of relief because I didn't quit. Um, but really, I then got back into property management a short time later as a property inspector, doing all your entry reports, all your routine inspections, all your final exit bond inspections, plus all tribunal hearings for 500 properties. And I thought that I was taking a step back off the front line. I got thrown further into the front line right. with a lot more conflict. Uh, but through that time, they say that if you face your fear enough, the death of fear is certain. That's true for me. And I ended up breaking through the issues that I struggled with to embrace property management, to go, yes, this is an amazingly difficult job and I'm going to master it. So really my career took off from about 93, 94 when I was able to deal with my, my, uh, my confidence issues. That's a, a pretty amazing and inspiring story there, there, Darren. It sounds like you uh, had a real sort of baptism of fire there. And, and I guess it's not an uncommon thing. You know, people that, that sort of rise to the top of their fields um, do sometimes share stories of, of hardship and, and tragedy in common. So that's a, a pretty amazing uh, background. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, you know, my story is very inspirational. Um, there is a, another angle and another dimension to my story that, you know, I tend not to share too much, but it does go to a completely different level with where I'm, you know, it's really led to where I am today. Yeah, wow, awesome. Well, that might be uh, the topic of a, a Richard Feidler interview that's a bit more qualified for the uh, the human story than myself. Um, Perhaps. Getting back to, to sort of property management and, and property management offices, there, there seems to be, uh, I guess, a bit of a disparity between the sales and the property management department. You know, you hear the press one for sales and press two for property management. I don't think it's an accident that number two is, is property management. Is there a bit of a sort of an, an air of superiority that the sales agents sort of seem to sort of lord over the the property management side of things is that is that a real thing absolutely mike totally 100 percent. you're right um and there are some very key reasons for that uh, I, I like your analogy i've never actually thought press one for sale two for property management but you're 100 percent correct so at the at right at the top is the boss he sets the culture his values set the stage on how the play will go yeah and his values are he comes from a sales background you see basically this is what happens he um the, the salesperson starts let's just say they start as a 19 20 21 year old and they fall into real estate sales they got um, talked into it by another real estate boss. He saw potential in this person um, and uh, said, hey, look, I reckon you'll do really, really good in sales. You've got a good background. Uh, you're good with people. Um, I can see potential in you. Come and join us in real estate sales. So he goes, yeah, why not? Um, he joins. Um, he enjoys it. But in the first one or two weeks of starting as a real estate salesperson, he gets tapped on the shoulder and says, hey, you see those see, see those ladies there in the corner? They do property management. They just bring the ferals into the office. Right. And he automatically, right at the start, gets this negative view of property management. And it's just problematic and it's stressful. And we don't want to deal with that. And so they get brainwashed really, really early. And so growing over the years, they get really good at sales. They throw some leads at the property managers, they see them struggle, they see them turn over, they see the stress, full confirmation that that person that first spoke to them in their first two weeks is right. And then one day they decide to become a real estate boss themselves. Um, and they do and they're really enjoying sales, but they're selling properties to investors who want their properties managed. Well, there's the birth of the property management department. Right. But yet his values don't change. Yep. And it, and property management becomes second best because it does have stress. If it's not managed correctly, it ha it can get very problematic. But he's focused on sales and he loves sales. That's his cash cow. Yep. Though property management looked after is going to have a far different function, but also look after him as well as what sales do. But it doesn't happen that way. Property management just stays second best and it just struggles along and that is the typical culture of what happens in more than 50% of real estate agencies right. here in Australia. Now, from my perspective, um, you know, as a, as a business owner, I would love the idea of having a rent roll that has a, a fairly guaranteed income month on month, whereas sales is a bit sort of up and down in terms of saleability of the business. Rent roll is a bit more bankable than you know the sales team. Is this is this changing? a principles starting to to get the power of the property management department over and above just something that we're doing to chip away and maybe pick up a few sales along the way. 
slowly slowly it's changing and generally they need to have crisis they need to have a really flat sales market a lot of financial pain to realize that they they should have been or can be building their property management department but the thing also is that they have this this view that you've got to get as many roofs and front doors as you can let's bring on as many properties as we can and do it at any price and they end up building this very busy and problematic property management department where they're not earning enough income to give them the incentive to say i want to do this well because we are getting well rewarded from it they end up getting very busy they get very problematic with it and they're not earning much money because they've discounted it too much and therefore their value and focus doesn't go on the business. Let me tell you, there was a a survey done by a gentleman by the name of Robert Bevan. Some years ago, he runs a what's called bestpractice.com.au, which is all about teaching real estate agents best practice. And he did a survey and and he found that the average real estate principal, the average real estate boss, the amount of time that he spends focusing on property management compared to focusing on his sales uh, department in a month, the average real estate real estate boss spends one minute per month focusing on property management. Wow, that's pretty revealing. That's shocking. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's. I mean, in some ways, it's not a, res, a a surprise, but I mean, that's a ridiculously no low number. It's it's obviously got Correct. a very low priority within the office. Correct. So that gives you some insight why a lot of businesses rent rolls out there or rental departments struggle along and contributes to the turnover, which we'll talk some more on. Yeah, for sure. And I definitely want to talk about price as well. But getting to, to the other side of, of the fence again, um, just talking about tenants, I've, we sort of observe in some of our inspections that um, tenants will say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm renting here because I own a, an investment property elsewhere, or I'm only renting while I build. It seems like they, they want to offer up a justification for why they're, um, they're renting. And there's maybe a sense that they're feeling like second class citizens. Do you, do you think there is still a, a negative perception on renters? Absolutely, um, totally. And you know, I, I actually think the government contributes to the to that as well. Um, so, for example, in America, um, the, the agencies there um, charge tenant fees. If a tenant gets late in the rent, they get penalised. Um, you know, all sorts of different fees. But in Australia, um, the government protects the tenant. There's like a very strong consumer protection. And it's like they're saying, well, the tenant cannot afford to buy. They're poor. You know, therefore, you can't charge them fees. That's my viewpoint on that. But certainly property managers in general still treat the tenant as second best because um, it can be very, very conflicting um, in property management. Um, and at the end of the day, the property manager works for the property investor. The property investor, the, the property manager has to work in their best interest, but unfortunately that automatically then translates to treating the tenant as second best. And I had the privilege in 2003 of going back into the rental market myself as a tenant. I had to for a couple of years because of my lifestyle changes. I went into business as a trainer and consultant. Um, and I wasn't in a position to buy because I had to prove all my figures to the bank first of running my business for two years before yep. I could do that. I know that guy. And, and even the company, I was actually training the company as part of a large real estate network. So the people that were managing my property 
were attending, well, were supposedly attending my training, which they weren't, and they still treat me as second best, even though that they knew who I was. But it because it was simply part of their culture, yep. and that though the owner may, you know, may get serviced well, the tenant doesn't. You know, the tenant doesn't get feedback after a routine inspection. They don't get a pat on the back. They don't get, hey, look, you've paid your rent really, really well in the last six months. Thank you very much. They're taken, good tenants are taken as granted. And so, unfortunately, that culture is very, very strong. Um, and, you know, I, I certainly part of my message is we just can't treat tenants that way. It's, it's, it's funny. You've, you've only got to sort of inquire on a, on a property for sale and see the red carpet rolled out and then inquire on, on a rental and, and have them sort of say, there's an open at 4 o'clock on Saturday. If you can't make it, get nicked sort of thing. That's, uh, that's, that's an interesting, yeah, yeah, yeah. interesting sort of um, yeah, difference in the service. Yeah, yeah. Well, Having said that, agents don't have the resources um, to go out there and just say, look, when do you want to do an open inspection? Basically, when in general there's more demand from tenants, um, on properties available in general, the agents are not going to jump for the tenants yeah. um, when they're able to rent them really, really quickly. Places like Perth, though, at the moment that are really struggling, then agencies are more quicker to jump on tenants that want to have a look at property and service them a lot better when the vacancy rates are really, really high. It's funny how, how that works. Now, getting back to yourself as a, as a property management tra- trainer, what made you sort of transition from working in property management to, to becoming a trainer? What made you make the jump? Well, it was funny you say that. In 2003, I transitioned from being a senior property manager, managing uh, a rent roll of 400 with two other staff members in the Riverland of South Australia. I ended up getting an amazing uh, role with uh, the company I was working for at the time um, to manage 18 branch offices over South Australia, Northern Territory and Sunraysia uh, and uh, with 28 property managers. And so now I'm managing uh, a, 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 a piece of land with offices the third of the size of Australia. Wow. And, uh, and you know, it was really a year into that. I was putting myself through a lot of self-development, really loving my role, but I remember driving. It was 2004. I was driving to uh, the Iron Triangle in South Australia. I was about an hour north of Port Wakefield, and I just had this epiphany. I was driving along the highway, I remember the day, I remember the time, and I just realized that I can be a trainer and consultant to the industry. I believed and I knew I could do it. And from that point, I was gone. I was I, I, um, I was then making, it took me a year to make transition of bringing that dream into reality. Having said that, when I ended up resigning from my job, uh, it took me about six weeks' notice to then transition to be a full-time trainer. I went from a secure, safe salary of a state manager's position to now nothing. Um, and I had key people in my life say, Darren, you, you, it's not going to work. You can't do that. Real estate bosses don't care enough about property management to want to afford someone like you. And so I went and did something that no one has ever done before in South Australia, Northern Territory. And I went as a full-time property management trainer and consultant. I just want to encourage everyone out there, just because no one has ever done it before, it doesn't mean you can't do it. If you really believe you can do it, you can do it. If you know that you can do it, go and make it happen. 
I think that's awesome. I mean, one of my favourite sayings is, if you think you can't do it, you're right. If you think you can do it, you're right. I guess once you've got that belief in yourself, then there's there's not not a lot stopping you. And and even even commentary from friends and family saying, Darren, there's 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 no bloody market for it. Yes. Well, the thing is, is that you know they were right ninety percent of the time. But we're talking. There are ten thousand agencies over over Australasia. Yeah. I found 10% of agents that did care about property management that did want to invest in someone like me. So I found plenty of work. And how are you keeping up the energy and passion? Obviously, you've been doing it for a long time and it's um, it's leaping through um, the, the headset at me at the moment. How are you keeping that enthusiasm? Well, you've really got to be passionate and love what you do. Um, and the day that that finishes, that is a day you've got to get out. Yeah. Um, but I, I really love what I do. I wake up in the morning and think there is nothing else that I'd rather be doing that I have been doing for the last 12 years and I want to be doing for the next 12 years. I love the lifestyle that it brings, the travel that it brings, the fact that I can just get up and take my work down to the local cafe. I don't have to answer to anybody. I don't have to work under the light of, of a, you know, a fluorescent culture. I'm in an office. Um, I can I can do my work anywhere in the world. I manage my team from anywhere in the world. They can be based anywhere in the world. Um, I just love what I do. I just love the fact that I can um, get good at what I do, become an expert, and earn well from it. Um, I, yeah, I'm just I'm just in my dream job. That's awesome, and I guess that's that's part of the reason why we we love property investing so much is that it enables people to, to perhaps get that financial security so they can actually discover what their passions are and, and move in that direction. To get back to um, property management, our, our listeners are generally sort of active or in aspiring property investors, and and we're sort of I guess on the other side of the equation to to what happens behind the scenes in a property management practice. What what are property managers sort of seeking when they attend? conferences like like yours and the like okay so let, let's just say if I put on a conference and say we're going to put a conference just on systems and procedures and processes and checklists no one will show up right you know the thing is is that that is probably one of the most important things that any business can do right. is have quality control with right processes and procedures and all of that, and they will be transformed if they just follow right process. However, if I put on a rent roll growth conference and how to get more business, everybody will be there. Right. And so we run growth conferences, certainly marketing conferences as well for property management, how to make more income, how to get more properties, all of those sort of things. So aside from that, the, the draw cards are growth, but also how to get um, better with points of difference, um, and how to service the client better as well. Genuinely, property managers want to know how do we can we service our clients better because, of course, that turns into more business because it turns into referral business and so forth as well. So really, overall, it is very much about growth. So you're dealing with property management, uh, property managers and property management organizations day in, day out. What, what typically are property managers doing very well in general and, and, and not doing very well? So on the well side, it would be understanding legislation and I would be encouraging any property investors out there that you 
the, the legislation is getting more and more complex, more and more tighter, more and more harder. Privacy Act, oh my goodness me, that's accelerated to uh, uh, to very difficult levels now where the penalties are huge for any breaches of privacy. So this is where the property managers excel, running the systems on how to manage your property competently to make sure the tenant pays the rent on time look after the property. Now they're the good property managers, but on the bad side of it um, would be the biggest complaint globally that property investors have about property managers, which is a lack of communication yeah. um, and, uh, and, and, and a lack of care and concern for the property investor as well. And, and really respecting the fact that the property investor has taken a risk. Most people out there, they want to own a rental property, but they, they can never get off zero properties. Yep. But your property investors, they've gone from zero to one or one to two or two plus properties. They've taken the risk. Property managers in a lot of cases don't have that care factor to say, Mr. Mr. Smith, you're my client. I really respect the, the, the fact that you've taken this risk here and I'm on board. You have my back for the long haul. There's a lack of care and concern. Yeah, and I completely agree with that. I mean, for, for a lot of our property investors, they're buying one investment property and the stats are saying the vast majority of investors only have one. And they're basically putting all their chips on black there. That That's their, their one goal to, to, to purchase that asset, an appreciating asset, and their whole sort of hopes and dreams and retirements can really be tied up in that. So it, it does get very emotional for, for property managers, uh, for, for property investors, yeah. I should say. Yeah, absolutely. And you're right. 70% of property investors only have that one property. Whereas where I go to America and I'm, I'm training real estate agencies there, typically 50% of owners have one property and the rest have two, five, 10, 20. Yeah, right. um, there's a lot more multiple property investors over there. Having said that in America and certainly New Zealand, 80% um, of properties are actually self-managed by the property investors themselves. Right. Um, Australia just has a culture about it that people, value their time above everything else. They value their peace of mind, so they're more inclined to give their property management to someone else to manage on their behalf instead of doing it themselves. Yeah, and hopefully they value the expertise and experiences as well. I mean, one of the things that you mentioned before and, and something that you're you're actively involved in is helping to property managers, uh, helping property managers increase their fees. What sort of resistance do property managers face here and, and how do they sort of justify that they're worth paying more than perhaps the, the, the sales focus practice that offers a, a reduced fee property management division to try and get the sales in the door? So firstly, right off the cuff, Mike, my warning to property investors, if you have agencies that are willing to discount or who are already cheap and are willing to go cheap, they have simply adjusted their fees to the level of services they provide. Low fees means low service and your peace of mind will be destabilized. Though you could save some money in the short term, you could cost you a packet of money in the long term with poor property management, bad tenants, it could cost you thousands. Yep. So from that point of view, I encourage property investors to value high charging agencies because if they charge high, it means they're charging higher than their competitors in the area, which means they actually believe they're worth it. People only charge in line with what they believe they are worth. If they're charging more, it means they deliver more and you're going to get far better peace of mind. Um, so uh, 
that that's basically you know where it's at. With if you've got an agency that charges more than their competitors, it means their boss actually values property management. You are going to save more money in the long run by having a quality agency charging higher fees. And and what typically is the difference between an agency that values property management and, and one that's just trying to sort of have that race to the bottom with fees? What How would the service differ typically? Okay, that, that's a really good question. I'm gonna help you with that. So this is how cheap fees turns into poor service. Number one is that the, um, the agency, let's say, signs up a cheap property or a property at cheap fees. And the property investor's thinking, wow, I've got a good property management agency here and I've saved some dough too. So they immediately get this sense of value. Yep. But it's it's fake, it's false, because this is what happens. You see, the agency still has the same level of overheads as the quality agent down the road. They still have to pay property managers quality. They still have to pay the same amount for fuel and cars and insurance and rents and phones and all of those sorts of things. So therefore, their profit margin is a lot smaller than the agency down the road when they're going cheaper. I mean, that's just simple business understanding. But this is what happens. The boss goes, well, I need to make some quality money here. Then they load more properties onto that property manager, which means now the property manager is not only working 40 hours a week, but nights and weekends too. They get burnt out. Now, in this day and age, quality property managers will not put up with that anymore. And so not only do the the quality property managers leave that type of business, but they will not come to that business as well. So the, the agency has an inability then to attract quality experienced property managers, which means they either have to go and find inexperienced property managers and train them up when they've got no resources to train. So those people end up leaving quickly. And here is what happens the agency ends up attracting the bad, incompetent, negligent property managers because that's the agency that they know that they can get away with it. Yeah. Because the boss doesn't care about property management, he doesn't focus on it, then they can do what they like. And so therefore, the owner gets bitter and upset in the end because they've got this high turnover of property managers, they're getting uh, poor service, negligence is occurring, which is costing a lot of money, and it just becomes a bitter pill in the end. That's what cheap fees ends up turning into. And the agency in the end, the boss just throws up his hands in the air and says, I don't want to do this anymore. This is doing my head in. There's too many problems. I'm not earning enough money. It's not worth it. And they end up selling at a real discount rate and that owner ends up going to another company and getting transitioned over. That is what, that's what happens to cheap fees in the end. So Darren, stereotypically property managers tend to sort of be female. Um, certainly there's a, there's a bit more of a, of a mix in the, in the sales department, but PM tends to attract uh, females more than males. Why do you think that is? And, and what, what do you think's at play there? So basically what I believe is it really comes down to that women are built for property management better than males. And I, I give the analogy, there's 500 plates on stage. Um, you know that show where you have 500 plates and you, they're all on sticks and you're spinning those plates and one starts to wobble, it's gonna drop. You gotta keep it spinning. Women in general perhaps can manage 500 plates on stage successfully where the typical male, and there are some males out there that are very good at property management, but the typical male in general cannot manage 
500 plates, they might only be able to successfully manage 100 or 50 and the rest will drop. And so there is a lot of the differences and that's why I see uh, and you get a typical situation where you've got a husband and wife working, but the woman is actually managing the household, managing the children, keeping really, really busy that way where that the male may not be helping out with the housework, may not be helping with that, more inclined to sit on the couch. The woman is able to manage a lot more um, at any particular time and manage 500 different tasks um, and keep those going as opposed to the male. Getting back to the relationship between the property investor and the property manager, how crucial is that relationship and the communication between the parties? Well, the communication is key. That is the most important thing to a property investor to maintain their peace of mind. Basically, the state of play that the property investor wants to be in is to be able to have the property investment, having it performing, and them not having to think about it. True. And therefore... Either the property manager is, is looking after things and communicating such to the property investor, um, and uh, and relay and relaying on all the most important things that they need to know about. Now, of course, different property investors need different levels of communication. That property manager has to work out whether one investor just wants to be told, told what's going on every now and then. Others need a lot more attention than that. A good property manager will know the levels of communication and. Uh, obviously, the higher their care factor, the higher that they are going to make sure, or the better they're going to make sure their property investors are kept well informed. Yeah. And what sort of clues can you give us um, or give investors that their property manager might not be looking after their property adequately? So, uh, in that regard, um, there it would be uh, not looking after things adequately. Well, the first thing to go, the first thing where problems are going to arise is late rent. Right. And the inability of the property manager to get on top of it really, really quickly. It's early intervention. Um, so if the property manager is allowing the tenant to regularly get behind in the rent, now there are some tenants out there, despite all your best efforts, insist on not paying on time. But if the property manager is not adequately jumping on board with that really, really quick, um, then that's uh, you know going to uh, turn into a possible eviction. Um, and it's, it, that's just bad news for everyone. Another thing that could also um, uh, show that the property manager is not doing the best thing. Of course, a lack of communication, not returning calls, not returning emails, that is a reflection of their lack of care factor. Um, but also um, your inspections, um, your routine inspections are very vague, lacking detail, um, you know, things not adequately being passed on the owner, not being aware of stuff, those sorts of things are good indications. But a really good one is their lack of care factor in getting back to calls and emails in a timely manner. Yeah. Now, I'm interested in, in why investors might sort of suffer from the service with their property manager. Is that typically to do with how many properties they manage? How, how many properties is, is typical for a property manager? Okay, so this varies, and it varies greatly over Australia. Um, so, for example, in Victoria, uh, there is a lacking of a lease renewal culture, which means a lot of tenants are allowed to simply go from fixed term lease onto a non-fixed term at the expiration of their first fixed term. Uh, and that the legislation provides for that, or you cannot obligate a tenant. But that takes out a whole heap of work. 
Yep. Also, in states like Victoria and New South Wales, they tend to have a two-routine inspection a year culture, whereas other states may have up to four inspections a year. That greatly changes the ability of how many properties you can actually manage if you're taking out the lease renewal factor and, you know, and, and halving your uh, routine inspection agenda. Yep. Um, so so, uh, you know, so it, it really depends on what part you're in Australia. But here is what I like to say. You see, a property manager can manage a certain amount of properties depending on how far those properties are from the office. If the property manager is spending too much time sitting in a car and too much travel, well, they can manage less. If, um, you know, is it three and four bedroom family homes or the big garden? compared to one and two bedroom apartments in the same building. Well, that then determines how much they can actually manage. Right. Are they managing too many lower socioeconomic properties? Well, that means you've got low income, low fees, uh, low profitability, and high work levels. So you might be able, to be able to manage half the amount of properties in a lower socio area than, say, a, middle, a high you know, middle class suburb. So all those factors there depend on how much they can actually manage. So this is the answer I give to the property management industry when they say how many properties can a property manager manage? Yep. Well, firstly, how long is a piece of string? Exactly. Then, but the real answer is the property manager or the agency has to get these three things right. Happy owners, happy property managers, which means they're not burnt out, and then a good quality profit margin. If the agency can get those three things right, then the actual property numbers per property manager are correct. Now that's um, yeah, that's an interesting insight, and and uh, to be honest, uh, I naively expected you'd say something like two hundred or one hundred and fifty, but no. yeah, it, it, it's no. obviously de no. de depends on the type of properties and where they are, and and who's renting them and Correct. that sort of thing. Now to to stop Correct. to stop sort of picking on the property managers uh, as we've been doing, what is it that property investors are doing that property managers complain about the most? Well, in that case, they're very typically. Um, owners that aren't wanting reasonable rents, um, you know, get a property rent quickly, you know, what, what's the market rate, charging market rent, so you get some owners that want unreasonable rents, which in the property is going to be vacant anyway, or might attract not good tenants, they're going to attract what we call the desperate, so pay any amount of rent, but not pay anything at all. But the other typical issue, um, it, 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 let me just give you another term, we call it the C-class and this is what gives property managers nightmares. It's the C-class owner that is the biggest and greatest factor that influences a property manager to resign. Right. And so the C-class owner, I say C-class owners are like a packet of cigarettes and will take years off your life. Right. And I teach the property management industry to sack these people and get rid of them because property management doesn't pay enough to deal with people and life's better to have these people in your business. This is what a C-class owner is. Seven characteristics. Number one, over the money and unreasonable. You call them up with good news and they peel over your parade, they dump on you emotionally, they bully you, they control you and just give you a very, very bad day. Number two, they take up lots of your time. They send you five-page emails every day on trivial things and rarely take up your time. And, 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 and what I say, they do your head in. Number three, whatever the rents are, they want more. Number four is whatever your fees are, well, they just want less. Yep. Whatever your fees, they want you to take on less. Um, and even if you're the cheapest in town, they still want you to do less. 
you have little, you put little to no money into the property, um, which means we end up with a degraded property where a good tenant just doesn't want to live there. So therefore we have a bad property that just attracts a bad tenant. And those type of owners typically have low rent properties, which means a low management fee, low income. It's just bad business all around. Yep. That's the stuff that burns out property managers and gives them nightmares. Yeah, awesome. Now, I wanted to just ask, are there, are there any particular questions that property investors should be asking when they're looking to engage a property manager? Okay, so if to understand that most real estate agencies out there, if they're doing sales and property management, they're either good at the one and bad at the other. Very rarely you're gonna come across a sales and property management company that does both and does both well. I would say 10% of real estate agencies out there do both well. Right. And they do both well simply because the boss cares about property management. So the questions really need to be surrounding how much interest does the real estate boss have with property management? How much does he resource? How much does he care? And also if you see their fees are a lot better or higher than other competitors in the area. Don't translate that into a negative. See, well, these people obviously believe they're worth more despite cheaper competitors. There is a reason behind that and usually is a boss that cares, values property management, um, and they're the sort of things you've got to be looking for. Otherwise, you're going to get stuck with a real estate agency that performs in sales, does property management on the side, and property management simply becomes a byproduct to the sales process a bit like toxic waste and therefore it's a bad experience all around. That's that's awesome. That's a really interesting insight and, and yeah, seeing how engaged the principal is in, in the department, I can see how that can make a big difference. Look, um, Darren, yeah. I, I've, I've really enjoyed the, the chat today. I wanted to, to let people know if, if they are interested in getting in touch with you, what's the best way to facilitate that? Well, on Facebook, I do have the largest property management Facebook page, anything property management in Australasia, third largest globally. So just go to Facebook, DarrenHunter.com. Also, my website, DarrenHunter.com. If you want to drop me a line, it's easy, Darren at DarrenHunter.com. That's an easy one to remember. Now, Darren, just to, to, to finish up, if there's one piece of advice that you can impart to property investors, what would that be? Um, value a good property manager. Look after them and stay with them. They're very, very hard to find. But firstly, seek out that agency that cares about property management. And they will, if they care about property management, they're likely attracted to people that care too. And that's got what's going to give you the best peace of mind when it comes to the management of your investment property. That's awesome. Property managers are such a crucial part of a successful property investment uh, portfolio and um, you're one of the gurus that's uh, showing them how it's all done. So very much appreciate your advice and your time today, Darren. No worries. Thanks, Mike. And uh, yeah, thanks for everyone for listening. But um, yeah, property management is an exciting area. Thanks for your time. Awesome. Appreciate it.